producer dude here we are again another walleye podcast are you happy to be doing these be honest with you well considering how much time this week i have spent with you i'm just adding another hour and a half is just i've been dreading this all day but it's okay this will be a good this wait, a wait good. a minute i mean you have you have you know, like you were dealing with a carpet company like am i worse than a carpet company to be honest it just comes down to time oh it's just you know, yeah we did we did spend like, like seven hours together uh the other day tuesday right so mm. so are you saying that we both are like a garlic milkshake <laughs> Do you know about like a garlic milkshake? The, one of the dishes we should have tried: walleye garlic milkshake. Yeah. Well, garlic milkshake. The the philosophy there is 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 like, man, you know, a garlic milkshake. I'd like to probably try that. And it's you know, you like have a couple sips on it, and then you're like, man, that's pretty good. And then you like take a big swig of it, or try to like drink the rest of it, and you're like, oh, this is bad. I've this had my garlic much. milkshake like 20, ten years ago, so. Well, I think the feeling is mutual, but we've got some guys that have been around longer than even me and you, believe it or not. We've got Brett King brought back on the podcast. We've got Joe Okada today back on, which I think he's now the all-time uh, most on here, whatever that means. And then we've got Denny Fox, who is the tournament director for AIM, like the tournament director. Yeah, so we're, we're going to talk, talk about uh, some walleye stuff. Yeah, we're going to talk cheating, right? And the, the industry and the tournament as a whole. Tournament. Uh, yeah, the... the community well i mean you're not a fisherman but we that's widely across and you don't you don't deny that i mean even you had mentioned to me seeing stuff about like some of the bass tournament stuff that's come up and then obviously just through some of the other stuff we do together it's like there just seems to be more and more words about lack of sportsmanship cheating this and that people getting caught with stuff and these guys are going to kind of put it out there and talk about what's going on sounds good let's bring them in We've got some old faces, new faces, and some ugly faces. We'll let all of you guys that are watching the YouTube version determine who is who. But we've got Denny Fox, new to the Big Water Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me on. We've got Brett King, who's been on here once or twice. Joe Okada, who I think is the record holder now for most appearances, which wins you a big cup of nothing. But <laughs> you were the first podcast. Do you know that? First, first and most, huh? How about that? And it went right downhill from there. But yep. I think, you know, we've been talking about doing something like this for a while. And I think that while we don't really have an agenda per se, I we the roundtable stuff does good. We did a few of those and people seem to like them. And we definitely kind of have a diverse group here of people in the fishing industry, right? Denny's tournament director, Brett, you know, works in the industry. You know, Joe works in the industry. Obviously, I've made my, my job in the industry, but I think what we want to kind of talk about is the status of the fishing world, but more specifically, you know, with walleyes, not that some of that stuff doesn't cross over. Right. Right. It, it Does it seem like things are a little wacky? I don't know about you. I mean, our all time record podcast, I would have to imagine is going to be the cheater scandal one we did about a year ago. Like I doubt, I mean, we're talking millions of views on this thing. Right. And the funny thing is, is I don't, I'd like to know your guys' opinion. How many times you go someplace or like Brett, you know, when you're dealing uh, at a boat dealer or something and they're like, oh, you're a walleye fisherman. Do you, do you know the walleye cheaters? Like everywhere I go, that comes up, you know, it, it doesn't even matter. People that don't fish that just run into me and see a fishing shirt on. And they're like, do you know the walleye cheaters? You're from Ohio, right? Yeah, it is. Is that? It, it's amazing. The traction that got, that just shows the world how powerful today's social media, et cetera, is, um, and you, you cannot get away from it. So 
but yes, it, it took a long time for that one to die down everywhere you went. Somebody was, Hey, you know, those guys, you know, and it really got old fast. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's died down from what it was, but I don't even know if it's died down and kind of where I'm going with this again is I, I don't want to say I don't care about everything, you know, in the fishing industry, but it's just like all of our jobs. You can only focus on so much. But I think the thing that like kind of want to talk with you guys and get your opinion is, is, you know, everyone is now associating walleye tournaments with cheating, which there's been problems. But it, the thing is, is like right now in the bass world, there's an awful lot of problems there too. You know, like the golden boys, if you're a walleye guy like me, like the bass guys are always, you know, thought of as the golden boys, or at least that's, uh, you know, redheaded stepchild walleye guys. But they have a lot of problems going on there, don't they? In my opinion, it's across the board through every species of tournament angling uh when it, the reality of it is with today's society you put you put money on the line and some bad qualities are going to come out of people i mean do you think you know do we know i mean joe you've been fishing tournaments for a million years and you know we all could name names and do all that good stuff but i mean there are many people that are kind of named people 20 25 years ago that did really well in walleye tournaments that were I mean, it's it's easy to say they were cheating, like blatant cheating. Rather, it was culling fish when they're in a no call, trimming tails. I mean, some pretty notable names are are on some of these lists. Do you think that the social media thing just made it different? Kind of like that walleye cheater scandal. Like if we didn't have Facebook and all that stuff, that couldn't have gotten the traction, you know, that it did. Yeah, the traction is one thing. I think it goes back to the very start of tournament fishing. Actually, I was going back to what Brett was saying. I was just just sat down at dinner with friends from. Um, California less than an hour ago. And this was one of the first things that was brought up in, you know, when asking about how tournament fishing has been going this year and, um, and that going back to, you know, what they had heard from, from last year's incident. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it's very interesting. And I think it's in Denny and I were having a conversation before you contacted me to sit on this round table, Ross, what Denny, probably three, four days before that. Yeah, and you were telling me some stories from the old days. I, w one of your examples was, I, you know, ice cubes going down, going down the gullet, you know, uh, the dissolvable evidence. And I said, are you serious? Ice cubes? And he goes, that, that's just a, that's that's nothing, Joe. I mean, but it's it's been happening since day one. So I think it's something that no one's ever been able to completely get away from. It's just way more apparent now. And it gets around where gets around about incidents way faster now because of the internet yeah well you think now that you know hundred thousand dollar boats are being give away you know in a club deal has something to do with it or the fact that even some of the bass guys that have these allegations i guess i'll say that term you know against them right now are some of the biggest name guys they're not the guys that are fighting for money or ego you know on the kind of the bottom rung the donators as we used to call them Maybe, I don't. I don't even think a single penny would have to be on the line if, if there's a competition at hand. The the wrong people can make it go sideways really quick, don't you think, Ross? I mean, it's it's just got to. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's just a. I think it's just human nature to want to push that envelope to succeed in ways that may not be the most correct path to success. Well, that's why it's so good to have Denny on here because he's a straight yeah. shooter and, he, and this, he's, you know, he's in the, in the chair, shall you say. And I think that in general, like, I don't know, Denny, you know, I haven't fished any aim events, full disclosure, so I can't comment on any of that stuff, but I've done just about everything else through the years as far as major tours and events. 
And I, I think it's safe to say that I feel like so many of the tournament directors, because I actually had one when I filed a, uh, a complaint or whatever you want to call it, a protest, you know, for somebody that was pooling fish with another boat. And the tournament director of a major organization told me, if you think the cheating's bad here at this one, you should see the next stop where we go. It's always really bad there with the culling. And I'm like, that's how the tournament director responds to this, knowing and would not file the protest that I was too late. And I'll, Joe, you know the back of that story. But I, I guess, Denny, you know, this has been going on forever. And, and going back to like Al Linder, uh, when we had him on the podcast a while ago and we were talking, he said that the rules have not have not been kept up with technology. You know, there's just so many more ways of cheating now and the rules haven't changed. And I thought that was kind of a really simplistic way of saying what some of the issues are because it's always something, right? I learned about text messaging as, again, I was a, the young guy, but I learned what a text message was not from doing it, but from learning about other guys that were texting coordinates. I think they called it messaging back then or whatever. You know, they were sending coordinates to other guys on burner phones. Um, you know, and so there, there's, it's really hard to patrol a lot of this stuff. And, you know, especially like a lot of the bass guys, a lot of their cheating stuff is about the information where you're not allowed to get in there receiving information ahead of time. But I mean, Denny, I mean, what are some of the biggest things that you're seeing or, you know, what you're trying to do to hold integrity, you know, in the sport? Well, first thing that you have to address is the history of fishing. Now, I don't know much about the bass world. I'll tell you that right now. I've been a walleye fisherman my whole life. Um, just give you a quick background on me. I started fishing walleye tournaments back in 1986. I grew up on Saginaw Bay and moved over to Wisconsin in 1990. And that's where I got my real education on fishing and tournament guys, because everybody in Wisconsin wants to be a tournament pro in Minnesota. And I seen things right off the get go way back in 1990, how people were taking advantage of poorly worded rules. Um, taking advantage of tournament directors who just didn't have the spine to stand up to a personality individuals. Um, so this is not anything new. As it's already been said, there's without a doubt, it's been blowing up because of social media. But so is everything in our press. Everything gets blown up now because we are a well-connected I mean, some of you guys are so young, you don't even remember life without a cell phone or the internet. And I do. None of us <laughs> are that young, but I wish. <laughs> um, ever since the onslaught of cell phones, we've been having to deal with a whole lot. Even back when I was when I was fishing, we were calling out people all the time for using their cell phones. Today, there's even so many more ways to contact each other while you're on the water even apps to track phones and, and whatnot as, and that becomes a whole nother can of worms for tournament directors and tournaments in general with their rules and the way that they've been written. I mean, all, all three of you guys, the simple thing is, is don't you feel like, I mean, Denny kind of touched on it there, but so many times these, the rules that are there, like the gray area thing is a whole different ball of wax, but the rules that are really cut and dry that aren't enforced. I mean, you could just start naming them off. I mean, Brett, you can't, I'm sure, you know, you keep track of all that stuff. Like that Devil's Lake NWT they had a few years ago. A guy brought an excavator in and dug out a channel, right, like to access a slough. I, I mean, that's one thing all in itself because that was like a county road or something. Like that's like like serious legal thing. But aside from that, like all that aside, 
the tournament director said, if you guys go in there on day two, you're all DQ'd. Right? 30 boats went in there on day two. Nothing was done. And it's like, so then you look at these other guys that maybe would be honest people that are like, well, if I'm going to compete, I, 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 you know, I'm going to do what everybody else does. Is, is that fair? It's not fair. Um, I will say one thing we learned from the conception of the AIM Weekend Walleye Series that all of us were a part of is the rules and writing of the rules is so challenging. And it's such a big part of it that we learn, heck, we still learn every year on something we think we're covered on. And we have the intent there, but it's it's not covered. Um, it, I could cite specific cases, but I don't want to go down that path. But the writing of the rules is a major piece of it and it does have to be clear cut and dry but beyond that it is the tournament director's responsibility to uphold that rule and unfortunately it seems like you know a little bit of favorites things like that come into play um again i'm not going to go down that foxhole of, of specific cases but unfortunately through the uh, 20 some years i've been doing this through all the platforms uh it just seemed way too much um and people put money down and there's money on the line and they just want that limelight and i don't understand how you continue to you know live with your own self if if you don't do it the right way there's no possible way that there isn't every one of us has crossed a rule at some point in time right if you've played the game at all for any amount of time but where do you draw the separation uh, if anybody came up to me and said they've never taken off with their tether cord off their life jacket and got up on plane and went oh i don't have that on i would probably flat out call them out on that one oh 100 it's just the way it is so but don't you think you know speeding? Even the nicest, uh, nicest priest, he's uh, he's probably sped, but he hasn't murdered anybody, right? Oh, there's a big difference between speeding and murder, and I think that some of these things we've got now are murder, and it's not even the gray areas in the rules and the way they're written. Like the bass guys are eating that up right now with that Cayuga deal, where guys were catching one fish five times to say that was their limit. Like for people that don't follow the bass stuff, which crazy if you don't, but. Um, you know, so one guy can't want it, went in, caught a six pounder five times. He's got 30 pounds because of that catch and release format. And I realized like what the aim versus you know, tournament series that keep their fish, those rules are going to even then have to be a little bit different again, but just enforcing the ones that are there, even though I think some need to be modified. I mean, aren't, isn't that somewhat of a like rules first deal? I mean, I know that doesn't apply to Denny's deal, but I mean, right out of the gate, isn't that the big, is it the elephant in the room? I would say yes, it is. Um, I think it's totally the angler's responsibility to know the rules. At the end of the day, state law trumps everything. Um, doesn't matter what the tournament rules are. If it's a state law, it's a state law. Um, but then beyond that, it's completely up to the, the tournament director organization to uphold that 
rule or law. So, but I mean, we we've got just in the last little bit, and this is this is not targeting any individual because there's multiple people. You know, there's videos going around of guys, you know, snagging fish in the butt you know, bringing them in, you know, obviously scoping them, whatever you want to call it, live sonar, seeing these fish, they're bringing them in and they're weighing them. Nothing is done. Um, you've got guys obviously fishing too many rods, too many fish, culling all these things. It just seems like, I mean, those are the things you got to clean up first, right? It's dull. It's, it's dirty pool, but you know, from Brett's example, citing the, you know, from, from the kill switch, forgetting all the way up to you know those the violations that you just said it's almost there's like an infraction spectrum where everybody has touched a certain point of that along the way whether it was intentional or unintentional and, and i was visiting with brett on this a little while ago and and one thing one of the distinctions that he had made you know defining where where that violation laid on that spectrum was if it was intentional or not but even if it's even if it's intentional, you know, not not putting on that kill switch puts, you know, eight seconds back in Dude, your that, pocket. Listen, that, that's and a whole different ball of wax. It, not necessarily. I we're think not tick for tack. No, not necessarily. I think first off, it, it makes everybody a hypocrite for pointing pointing things out. It, but there's there's some. But yeah, to, to your point, there's some real dirty pool being played out there. Yeah. Dude, those are that's that's the difference between speeding and murder. Like plain and simple. Yes, it could be a violation to get you kicked out. Or it might get you kicked out, day. but it's still giving you. There's there's still things that happen along the way, or there's still ways rules are interpreted that could that could give you that competitive advantage that makes a significant dis difference in what you earn at the end of that tournament day. So that's still just in. It, it still becomes almost just as d dirty as doing some. You know, as I don't, I don't know. A kill know. a kill switch and keeping fish that you snag knowingly. Yeah, those are two different. Those are two upside ends of the spectrum. Okay, so where, where along that line do we start to to draw those lines where you can make, you know, solid improvements so in how? We, go ahead. I mean, do we have so many guys that are just scoundrels doing this now that that's why we can't even get together on what is kosher? I mean, do we, Denny? Do you guys have a panel with with other pros if something was to happen that they like evaluate or for rules or something or? Oh, absolutely. I've got this board of directors that helps me out with AIM. So I, uh, I'm the national tournament director, but we also have a board of five individuals, and that's who I take problems to. I don't take it to the anglers themselves because when an angler might be on my board, advisory board of rule infractions at an event, they may be making a vote to get them in the money or not. I prefer, we do prefer, and we do take home our problems and we evaluate them from there. Now, if it's an on the water problem and it's something that can be handled right on site and it's a clear cut black and white, it's handled by me or my tournament directors who contact me on that problem. But the way, the way I see it is the world in the last four years since COVID has changed a lot. And all you guys have tournament fished for a long time, as well as most of our listeners. And what does the tournament director say in the rules meeting? We expect you have read the rules and you're following all our rules and the state rules, but they don't elaborate on them. If there's a problem 
or there's a special rule that's in place. Uh, for instance, we were just on the Mississippi River and we wanted to make sure that they knew a uh, live bait rule on there. And it didn't go over real well with them, with the anglers, but that was the rule. And it had just been turned to blind's eye in many different events over the years. Now, that's exactly what you're talking about, turning a blind's eye to the kill tether. Now, where do you where do you say you're going to turn a blind's eye and when are you going to enforce it? Well, if it's your rule, you enforce it. It's, it is the exact same thing as registering a snagged fish. It absolutely is because a rule, a rule, black and white, there's not a gray area. And that gray area has been getting very thick in the fishing world from saltwater to freshwater as a whole. I pay a lot of attention to how they do this. So, so what happens if you were to, on your next tournament that you have, you were to have some bystander that's out just fun fishing, and you were to have him supply you with a video of clear and complete 100% evidence of watching a competitor cull fish in a no call, how would that be handled on the aim today? Well, first of all, we're going to have to analyze the video. Okay, it's not something that can be handled today, right this minute at the weigh-in. You know why? Because we have technology now. We're not carrying around the big camera on our shoulder with a big VHS tape anymore. We got guys that can make videos and present them as being something they just shot them today on the water. Now, I'm not discounting what they're giving us, but I'm also going to have it analyzed before I'm going to go forward. Something in AIM that we do different, Ross, is we don't crown the champion on the stage and hand them a big check and send them home, okay? Our checks are issued on the Wednesday after. That gives us time to field any complaints, field anything else that we may have to talk about prior to sending out money and making our final official standings on the Wednesday after a Sunday event. That's amazing. That's it. That seems like one of the smartest things I've heard in a long time. But See, let, let's say <laughs> I like that. But but let's say this is a guy catches an eight pounder and he lets a two pounder go. Like it, it's clear. Let let's just assume because I can appreciate that you are not going to just take things lightly. But if that was to happen on aim right now, where or you get some death penalty per se. How? What is the end result of it? Are they just DQ'd for that day? Are they DQ'd from the event? Anything beyond? DQ'd for that event. Anything that would go up beyond would be up to the board of directors and myself to talk about the severity of what they did. And, you know, one time a, a skip in judgment shouldn't throw you in jail forever and ever. However, if it's that bad, you do need to talk about, you know, further suspensions. We haven't had to go down that one yet. We haven't had a deal with that. So, and I'm very glad. My anglers as a whole, I do believe are out there doing the right thing. And they, and they know that we're going to be watching. But if I had a video or I had two or three, as I did one time, anglers in other boats watching somebody do something wrong, they all came to us. We do have a, a, a protest form. They can file that protest. And that will open up the, the floodgates for us to investigate what they've been doing and take a look at it. Now, if it's somebody that's going to win the event or we're going to have them on the stage for the top five, we're going to look real close at it before we do that that day. But 
out, if it's outside of that, we'll look at it afterwards and assess the penalty. Now, there's something that you haven't hit on yet, and I would like to hit on right now, and that is, yet again, we talk about social media and bringing all this to social media, and everybody's got it out there, but um, just because a tournament director or a tournament organization doesn't release the facts on something that happened during the tournament doesn't mean they're sliding it underneath the rug. They're just saving the integrity of that person who had a slip in judgment that day and might have done something wrong. Doesn't mean they haven't been penalized for it, but they're just not releasing the whole story. And I think that's important to remember, too, because I don't think that everybody's uh, name has to be run through the grinder because they had a slip in judgment one time. But I do believe as tournament directors, we have to take care of them. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, Joe and Brad, I know you guys are like your professional professionals. You both work in the business and, you know, everyone's not quick to say something. I get it. I'm probably a little quicker than most, but don't you think at that same thing? Like, I agree with you with not running somebody through for a simple thing. But the problem I think is, is when, because I know this for a fact with individuals on, let's say, just call it tour A, tour B and tour C all have been, you know, DQ'd or some type of violation for let's say, just say culling to make it simple, you know, in a no call. And he's done that in multiple tours. And now we're starting to see, you know, I guess you could say a uh, habitual situation. And and I was just wondering, like, Dandy, do any of the tournament directors for a, whether it's some of the aim, like the weekend stuff or the individual guys, however that works, I don't know, or let's say another major organization, like an MWC or something, do you guys communicate at all with some of these? Well, we don't go out to dinner together as tournament directors, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> um, have we had discussions? Yes. But you got to remember, we're all businessmen, too, and we're all vying for the same uh, customers. So sharing with each other sometimes isn't what we do. Um, so far, nobody's called me up and says I should watch out for so-and-so because he does this. Culling's not a problem with us, and that's always good. And and the CRR format's really catching on across Wisconsin and a lot of Minnesota, too. So calling gets out of it. But as we know, there's other challenges that are opening themselves up to the tournament directors. And what would some of those challenges be? Well, what's happening out on the water with people moving in on each other, uh, a long time ago, the PWT, the Professional Walleye Tour Trail, tried to uh, institute a 50-foot rule on people and dropping buoys in the water. And and today, with forward-facing sonar, we do get a chance to see other fish that people are fishing for, which a lot of times guys can sit back and see them same fish, and they kind of move in on them. Uh, we've been uh, we've been hearing more about that on the water. So some of the new challenges coming at us is with the new technology that's out there, but in no way, shape, or form would I ever, ever dream of uh, banning that technology in the tournaments. It's just a matter of uh, coming up with a good way to handle it. Well, I think I think the sportsmanship end of things is is lacking overall, and maybe that's the cause of some of these problems. But the sportsmanship thing is much more difficult to patrol than a major violation or a even if it's a kill switch like we used before right um 
You, you are right. The you sportsmanship guys. is, well, we're a different era, and we have to remember that, too. I come from a different era than you come from, Ross. You're behind me by a few years, and Joe's a few years behind that. And it, there's, it, it's just the different age groups, and it's it, it's it's how sometimes maybe it's how they were raised, you know, and it's the differences in school, and, you know, they used to hit us. So, <laughs> well, I, that's where I was going with this. Like back in the day, them guys used to get knocked the hell out, and you know, they, maybe we, <laughs> somebody needs to get slapped upside their damn head. Sometimes you I'd have parking lot Joe. justice. Yeah, it's parking lot justice, and it took oh, care of itself. Hey, Ross, one Brett and I sit on the board for for AIM, and we were just having this conversation about technology and how it's impacting tournaments as a whole. And one of our one rule that AIM is, you know been pretty that has stayed the course with up until you know we've been talking about it now is is communication and how that ha is handled on the water and with the advancements in technology how easy it is to communicate you know even um kind of under the radar communication you know with the right bits of technology so what are your thoughts on just opening up tournaments as a whole because it'd be neat to see some comments you know, underneath this video after this goes, I'd like to hear what the public view is or other tournament, other the competitors, how they view, how they view, you know, communication on the water. If it should just be completely opened up since the people that are going to do it are probably looking at trying to figure out smart, technologically savvy ways to do it anyways. What are your thoughts? Well, I think like Denny touched on, I think we have, we don't have, this isn't like a tournament walleye problem. Like that's the biggest problem in this country. We have a people problem in the world, right? Like the mentality of things. And it's obviously just trickle down to tournament walleye fishermen or walleye fishing or tournaments in general, bass crappies. It doesn't matter. They all have their problems. Um, I just saw one today on target walleye that it was, there was another issue with something and it wasn't walleyes for once. So, but I think to answer your question, um, the communication thing, the problem is, is, you know, me and you both been doing this a long time and we know a lot of people that, you know, even like Brett's kid works in the industry. Now I can remember when he wasn't old enough to drive, like that's making me feel a little old. Right. And because of that change, me and you, all of us here, we know a lot of people that are in positions anywhere from CEO to washing boats. And I think that when you talk to certain people behind the scenes that I'm pretty good friends with, they basically say, when you open this up to open communication, these are, this is from a one particular major sponsor of an event. They said they are not going to moving forward do it because they said it's become a bar league deal for a certain series that had been open communication. Um, you know, and then there's other ones. I think it just depends on what it is, like the Michigan Walleye Trail. They couldn't police it, so they said, we're going to try to make it fair for everybody. We're going to put three people in the boat. Um, so you have more chance to split your expenses, maybe bring your kid in or something. And they're going to make it a, they're a club. Like they said, we're a club and we're going to bring it more of that club level. I think where the problem exists is all these guys run around thinking they're pros because they fish two or three tournaments in a year and they go back to their day job and no disrespect to those guys. But when you don't really make your job doing that, I don't think there's enough fear of losing anything. Like I know I'm covering like five things at once, but I think that there's no, there is no to them, like me and you, if, if we were to get caught cheating in a tournament, we would, we, to Denny's point, we would lose everything that he could say on, on stage or not. That, that would get around and we're done. A guy that's an accountant or works in an auto plan or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. He's going to go back and do and write what he's doing. So for us, I think it is a little bit different and I take it a little more personal, even though, you know, I don't partake in, the, in those events and in large part to what's going on and the business end of those things. But 
I, I don't, don't see how when you have that open, open communication with the way that walleye tournaments go, it can be good. I've seen, I've seen blatant open communication on, I'm pretty sure it's Bass Live, you know, just watching. I mean, two anglers passing by and then a pattern gets explained or a spot gets highlighted or if you need if you need this here if you if you need cleanup duty here or if you need to fill out your limit right here i, I i'm i'm not i don't know if it was for sure if it was bass but i, I it was a, a high profile no event. no you're, what's the how is that 100 percent it is but you know the difference and there's even companies and you know who they are I, I work with one of them who doesn't even like working with walleye guys from a business standpoint because it's such a team event and the difference is, from what you're saying, in my opinion, is when you have Joe come in, the problem is on day two, there's four or five guys that you work with. And if it's a three-day tournament, there's 99. We all know on a, it's a joke on the day two of a walleye tournament. The whole field's there. And, and that's what happens. Where on bass fishing, generally speaking, on the higher levels, that's not as big of a deal. Now, on opens and things like that, I think that's becoming more of a problem because the huge fields and the guys are, you know, so desperate to qualify for the next level. I think, what do you got to say, Brett, you've been awful quiet. I think it just gets talked about more in our world. Um, no different than walleye's kind of been highlighted, you know, under the, the light bulb of cheating lately. Um, but we all know what happens everywhere. I think, the other levels of circuits and other species, they just don't, uh, they probably don't emphasize it as much as the walleye people do, but it's still there as far as the teaming aspect of it. They just don't talk about it as much, but I think so too. Um, I'm going to go back to Denny's case in point. There's still really good core anglers that fish and appreciate rules and tournament directors and joe and i both lived this couple weeks back at our last event in iowa um, when issues came up with live bait and transportation of that across state lines even on the water um, we always try to make anglers aware to not put them in a position to break a law and denny did just that sent an email out and of course, some people right away tried to kind of go around and, and do their own homework on it. And kudos to Denny. He sent out a very direct and to the point email saying, if, if you don't like it and you're going to keep calling the DNR and getting them bird up at us when we're trying to do business with them, you're going to be out. And I know I had five. I or like six Denny. I had five or six teams in that event, and I know Joe had several too come up because they know we're on the board, et cetera, come up and say how much they appreciated the fact that he just laid down the hammer. And this is the rule. This is the way it's going to be. Um, and I just We need more Denny's is what we need. He's got a set. <laughs> He's got a set. <laughs> Um, so I, I don't back to all these situations. I just, it seems to come back to how they are handled. Um, I remember being in a parking lot one time listening, 
as I was cleaning up a boat, getting ready to, to head out and get on the road, a, a tournament director, and we're going to stay nameless here because it's that's not what we're here for, on the phone. It'd be fun, though. They, <laughs> on the phone with, I can only assume, one of the major sponsors of that trail, asking if it was good, if he was okay to, to DQ an angler. How does that happen? I mean, if it's there and it's in front of you, how does that happen? And I think us as anglers, at least the good core group, and the good core group is still good. Um, I believe that. We just want a level playing field, right? Like we want a level playing field that the rules are followed and enforced. And I mean, I don't play poker, but I'm not going to sit down to a poker table if I – feel or you know i'm pretty sure the guy across the table from me has got cards up his sleeve and, and he's allowed to play those cards i'm just not going to sit down for it um and i think that's just kind of where we got to get back to parking lot justice like like denny mentioned earlier i mean that really used to be a thing back in the pwt Slashing tires man you know in the pwt Slashing days tires. it was like a legit unwritten rule it was going to be parking lot justice you got a problem you go meet over in the corner of the parking lot and you know get away from the crowd get away from everything deal with it and we just have not been seeing that through today's you know business models and etc so um is, is it just there's too much money involved like you mentioned calling the sponsor is it too much pussyfooting because to me it's just too much pussyfooting yeah, I mean, I think probably a better way to look at that is maybe not enough money involved and every money that's there is so important to the overall picture. You know what you know what it is? It, it's the dog chasing its tail because the tournament directors or people in many cases or the people that are involved feel like we can't we can't DQ this angler or have a black eye for our organization because then we'll lose but it's like that's actually how you keep it because you're you're holding the integrity so one may have to get cut out in order for them to be more in my opinion because there's a lot of guys that kind of trickle away you know uh, several guys that I know well and you guys do too said hey I'm done because I just like you said I, I don't want to be going against a loaded deck and I think that the difference between the early PWT days, because there was tons of cheating there too, to now is there's much better anglers doing the cheating. Well, I, I too think that social media has something to do with it. You know, kids today want to be an influencer on TikTok or a leader on Facebook, and they want to monetize everything. And some of uh, some of our anglers are doing just that, and it's fantastic. They're doing a great thing. But it's very important to be out there in the limelight, too. And possibly some of that could be pushing some of these people into what they're doing. Did you know that the most uh, famous Joe Okada is not actually a fisherman online? We've been over this, Ross, since your first podcast. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ross. There's another Joe Okada. Oh. There's another Joe Okada who is way more popular. And he's wielding swords and all kinds of craziness. Here we go again. Here we go. Joe Okada. That's a guy you don't want parking lot justice with, Fred. (laughs) Now we're going to have to show the video. (laughs) Here it comes. Oh, yeah. He's going to, I can see producer dude laying this thing right on top. (laughs) 
But you know, I, I was watching a thing the other day. Um, I can't remember what the name of it was, but it was uh, uh, following the PBR, the rodeo series. Do you know how many rodeo guys have won more than five million dollars in rodeos? And their their lifespan is like super short because those guys get beat up so bad. Have you guys ever seen this? Nope, I don't know. Yes. Yeah. So, and again, I just started thinking about walleye fishing and it was the same thing. Like these guys all fight with each other a little bit, but there's, there's camaraderie and there's some universal rules across these different rodeo associations. So I happen to know a few people that rodeo and I was asking them all these questions and they're like, oh my God, yeah, this guy's won 7 million. He's won 8 million and doing it in a, like a 10 year period. I'm thinking because they have the sponsors, they don't have the same kind of chaos that we do. But the big thing is, is their rules are universal. I mean, obviously, Denny, you know, what's your take on that as far as having some universal rules? Obviously, when you catch photo release, it's going to be different than a tournament that doesn't. But do you think that getting together with some of these guys, I know you said they're business and competition, but for the sake of the whole to try to write something, you know, to, to write a new Bible, if you will, of rules in these things? Well, you know, you could always try to do something like that. And then the next guy is going to decide that he just... It's going to twist his a little bit more, make it a more a little user friendly for his guys. Or he heard too much kickback on it, and he doesn't want to push it any farther. Um, I, I believe everybody's going to go ahead and use the rules written by the state because the states are black and white rules; they're not gray area. Now, people will try to interpret them, uh, but I do believe the state has written black and white rules. So. Do you think that you'll get a book of a new rule book written by tournament directors and tournament circuits? Uh, be just like trying to pass that thing they're doing in Washington right now. I ain't going to work. <laughs> are, you, are you saying that there's politics and fishing? <laughs> just a little. Well, buddy, yet again, you got to remember mean, every single tournament circuit is a business. Uh, like say Brett and Joe are on our board of directors. So they're part of the five guys that are on our board of directors, but we're a business, you know, we're, we're going to run it like a business. It's, it's not a, a hobby shop for us or a club or anything else. It's a business as the NWT and the MWC and bass and everybody else is in this world. So hardly ever does a group of businessmen come together and agree to all do it the same way for the good of the sport. Or I mean, how, what is, what is the business in tournaments? You know, I mean, again, it's, it's ultimately sponsorship and selling stuff, right? Like, I mean, selling boats seem to be one of the, you know, a couple of these guys sitting here know a little bit about that. Selling boats seems to be one of the biggest things. Cause again, you can sell a $5 lures all you want. But that doesn't add up as it's like it does what are now six-figure boats, right? Well, you got to remember there's different layers to all these businesses as well. Uh, you can start with me. You know what I sell? I sell fun. Uh, it's it, and I'm the last cog in the wheel. But on the way up, we, we're promotional companies, so we promote not just fishing. We promote conservation. We promote uh, youth programs. We promote our anglers. We promote everything about the sport. We're not just taking money out of the sport, but we're more promoters than we are anything else. So why do you think that I'm going to call it top tier or whatever? Because AIM doesn't have a, like it used to, a pro pro, like top level, does it? No, we are strictly the AIM weekend walleye series at this point. 
So do you think there's just not enough people or there's not enough from a business standpoint, the model's not good? There's there's enough participants or money or people to move the needle or because it seems like maybe that's why you don't have as many issues as some of the other guys, maybe? Well, you know, there's only, uh, I'd classify, there's only one bigger than us. You know, and I'm being optimistic about AIM. I believe that we're, um, we're the biggest tournament circuit for walleyes in the nation right now with the most players. But that's really not the point. Um, I, you know, I'm just going to leave it right there, Ross. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I, I know. I get it. But but again, the, the thing is, is when you have that, there is a difference between the guys that are out to have fun with their son. I mean, Joe, look what you're doing now. You're having fun, right? Like this is not as a much of a business focus as it was when we met many, many moons ago. Don't you think that the difference between fishing a pro, uh, pro-am tournament and the weekend series is going to be different? I think it's still complementary to the business model that you've always seen me working along, Ross. I, and one, but one thing I've learned along the way is that the stuff we've fished for all these years, it's a higher stakes gambling table, but you still don't have to, you know, hold a tour card to keep your spot within that. So I, I you know, it, other than a higher entry fee, that's really the only separation between that and, and what, you know, what I'm choosing to do right now, it's, um, you know, I, I think with, with, with other species that actually have a, you know, as an actual top tier that people are scratching and clawing to try to qualify for and maintain a position in through performance, pure performance, that's, that's what establishes itself as a legitimate top tier, you know, and until that comes to walleye fishing, I think I, I can accomplish whatever I want, do it fishing, whatever I want. In, 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 and I, I, th I think Brett would agree with me too, or maybe even you, Ross, but, um, but that's just kind of the, the, the state that we're, we are, we are in and have been, but the, the year that I was going to jump into the PWT, you know, in 08 was going to be my first year diving in to fish, you know, a pro-am tour. And I remember, I think at that time, Brett, didn't you need to have like, you know, a list of a resume re re references and people vouching for, Hey, this guy's worthy of giving a shot to play and stuff like that, you know, and it's never been like that ever since. And, um, and I'd love you know, to yeah. see that come that, back. To, go ahead. That was on the end at the beginning of the PWT, you had to have someone vouch for you and you had to prove that you were trying to make 50% of your income in the fishing business. That's that goes back to the late nineties. Right. That's probably yeah. 10 years, a full 10 years before that. So yeah, is that's that, is that part is, is that part of the issue that we don't have a qualifier or a real league system, if you will? I don't know if that's going to stop the stuff that we're, we're, you know, talking about today, because the desire to be a part of that is going to be so great that people are the, the, the same type of people are going to be willing to do whatever it takes to, to get there you know, achieve that goal and maintain it. And so it's never going to take that part of it out of any of the competition that we see in, for any species of fish. Um, I think it, it goes back to how Brett brought up right away. It's just how each organization itself handles those anglers in those situations um, to set, to not to only set an example, but just to give everybody else, all the other competitors that want to play there, the confidence that, that they're, 
you know, their commitment to that organization is, is well spent. So besides family and stuff like that, real talk, Brett and Joe, are you not fishing major pro-ams because of the status of the business and the things that are going on? Or is what, what, I still competed this year. Um, I opted out of the Sault Ste. Marie event because I had a major work conflict. And uh, quite frankly, I had a terrible year and I sucked. Um, and I had such a, a hole dug in the point system. I literally had to go there to win. Um, and it, it just made much better sense to, to not go. I would have been off the water for four days prior to that event. Um, and it's very hard to compete, you know, with these guys doing that, showing up basically blind because we all know how fast the bite changes. Um, it, going forward, um, it's it's way too early to tell. I get asked often and I've been asked a lot lately. Um, Ross Grothy and I just had this conversation a couple of days ago out, out in uh, North Dakota about next year and I'd be lying if I said I could make that decision now um, because we're going into a long winter and by, you know, four months off, five months off, all of a sudden the juices start flowing. Next year, I got one in my, my backyard that, that I can sleep in my own bed. Um, and that's very hard, you know, to look away from as well. Um, you still got the fire, can you? I, I, I do have the fire. I mean, this year sitting on the outside – from the championship looking in was hard. I mean, I'd be lying if I said it, it wasn't hard to, to know that, you know, cause we're all for the most part, not all, but fishing's a big family and they're your friends. And, and, you know, most of the core is good and you want to be there. And, and, you know, the camaraderie is still a big part of it. Um, so it was hard not being there. And so, you picked a good tournament to miss for controversies, but uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> elephant room perhaps. But I mean, so you don't feel like you're in certain circumstances, you're fishing against a loaded deck with the way things are currently. Um, the bullshit meter is about to go on high, high five. Right <laughs> now. And you know what? I mean, I'm, I've, been pinned down on this quite a bit and i've always taken a stance i don't like armchair quarterbacks and i wasn't there right so it's it's not my place i don't feel to go down that path um would we all like to see some things change hopefully um but that's kind of tbd you know if it does or doesn't um, it, I don't know how else to say it. Like I said, I don't agree when somebody physically wasn't there, uh, having strong opinions, you know, at least, you know, on a public platform about, about the situation. Cause I physically was not in those situations myself. So is that a good roundabout? That was some bullshit, but I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that was that. Actually, I think you should probably run for president because that was some dancing ass shit right there. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and and I understand, you know, why to a certain extent you have to kind of, you know, everybody has to meter it, and 
you know, in certain aspects, I think it, there's a difference between professionalism with dealing with things like you said, and then just people pussyfooting. And I think some of the organizations, you know, the, the tournament directors not making those hard calls. Um, however, Denny said it, it, that that is that is probably to me the biggest thing because all that gray stuff is not good, but nothing's fair. I can remember in my early major tournaments that I fish, you know, on dead fish, like, you know, Gary Roach had a fish. It was just as dead as mine, but you know, everybody rode the same 40 mile beating up their fish, but his weren't dead or, you know, whoever picked the guy. Right. I just said to go Papa cause he's a great friend, but you know, there, there's always those little things that even something as little as that could change a pound and, you know, change your tournament. But those to me are the little things. I think the, the big things are the stuff that either we're dancing around or, or that people are talking about or you're seeing on forums, um, people not getting DQ'd, then they are DQ'd. We're taking money back. We're giving money. We're moving places. We're not DQing. The, being a, like to your say, a speeding ticket. Were you speeding or were you not? We're going to give you a ticket or we're not going to give you a ticket. Danny, you've got the hardest job in fishing. He does. By far. Like, because I mean, no matter I mean, what, Danny's pissing somebody off, it, it, for better or for worse. And and he, and if he's just trying to satisfy the masses, you know, he's just got he's just got a, a very hard job. So we give we always get make sure to you know sometimes we have to rally on a call about something, and it's at the end of the day, it's it it just Denny has a really hard job, but he he's, he does such a great job, and I got no problem throwing my my entry fee in with aim to to fit. I, I got no problem throwing my entry fee in anywhere as long as I want to fish that body of water and I'm ready to compete, but. It is you, you just know for sure that that then he has no problem DQing me if I screw up. It, 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 it's just the he'll call me on Monday and say sorry if there's something were to happen. You know, it's just that's the kind of guy he is, and we we are really lucky to have someone like him um, working. Dude, dude, Go ahead. I know Joe. You're probably one of the few people that does know this. I was actually asked to be a tournament director for a somewhat major series, and I was like hell to the no. There was just no. I mean. You know, and they're like, well, we need somebody that actually knows the game, has a little bit of respect from the people, but is not afraid to tell somebody just to f off, plain and simple. And I think we need more of that. And that's, you know, again, I, I didn't know Denny till tonight, but I can see already that he's got more of a backbone than some of these guys that we've all dealt with in the past. I mean, is part of this system, I mean, just think about some of the events we've fished through the years, how many tournament directors there have been. Is, is that part of the problem that it's, is it a part-time job for everybody? Is there any full time that that's all they do is walleye tournaments? There's not enough of them, is there? You know, there's probably not enough tournaments out there over the years where they could have had a full time tournament director. You know, most of the tournament circuits that I've fished and, and been associated with, you know, they're merely a state tournament with four or five events that were started by somebody that was the uh, drill press operator or forklift operator someplace. And he just loved the game. He loved the sport and he wanted to bring something back to the people. And that that's fantastic. But, you know, there just wasn't enough for a full time. That's when you started to hear the things. Ah, close enough. That's close enough. No, no, we'll register that. That's good. That's when they started. That's when things started getting out of hand. Um, there was a few over the years that have tried to strong arm the guys and get them back in line. And I had a lot of a uh, lot of respect for one of them right over here in Wisconsin, who DQ'd a very prominent individual in one of his tournaments for having weights clipped to the fins when he brought them to the bump day. After they made it perfectly clear in the rules meeting, they better not, because once they're in that 
basket. You can't quite see them. And now all of a sudden they've got two pounds of weights in there because they were trying to keep their fish sitting upright in a live well. You know, that's one of them things that you say he didn't really mean it, but did he because he was told not to do it. Now, this tournament director was around for a long time and he, he did really well. But, you know, over the years, a lot of them don't run that many tournaments. You'd think a lot of guys run a lot of tournaments in this world, wouldn't you, Ross? Well, I worked at a marina for 20 years. I ran my own for 15 before I started with AIM. And I just tallied it up the other day. I personally run 138 walleye tournaments. I've overseen 150 of them now. Most guys barely make it to 20. That's where. Yeah, that's what I mean. You get four or five a year tops on most tours, right? And they last for three or four years and they're done. They can't so take the pressure what is, from the A personalities. So is, is that your biggest struggle as a tournament director? Like either Denny or a tournament director in general is dealing with the strong personalities? Well, you got to remember, these guys are all A personalities. If you're a B personality or you're a secondary kind of guy, you ain't got a $100,000 boat. Because you don't have a job that can afford you the ability to afford it in the first place and the truck to pull it and the house to live in. So you're a very aggressive person in the first place because you were able to go out into the public and be able to get this boat. I respect them guys totally. But you also got to remember, they've been telling people, maybe 200 of them that work for them a week, what to do. And they assume sometimes they're going to come in and tell me what to do too. And then we, we have a little chit chat about that. That's where some guys that don't run as many tournaments as myself or other professional tournament directors fall off just a little bit because they get intimidated by that guy. And they can get intimidated so, very quick. I totally get what you said before about like the tournament directors with company A, B, and C necessarily not uh, having dinner together, I think was your word. But do you think that maybe, you know, as things get or hopefully get bigger as aim hopefully continues to grow or company bc whatever it is that you know maybe working together like i said the the pbr the, the bull riders deal where they do work together like maybe working with some of the bass organizations because like i said all the people that thought that the bass was smooth sailing they had no problems they're full of shit because they have just as many or more problems right now and you know it's funny because after the lake erie walleye trail i don't know if you guys even saw this bass master the Bassmaster, like that is the, that's the holy grail of tournament organizations in most people's minds, regardless of species. They made rule changes based on the Lake Erie Walleye Trail, which is a club event in, in Ohio that doesn't go anywhere. You know, and so maybe we all can learn from, um, you know, other organizations, even if the one's way, way smaller than the king. I think they're all taken a little bit away from each other, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's like that Cayuga tournament with the Major League Fishing. Like that, uh, whew, that one's that one is not losing any traction, it seems like. Wow. Brett, what, what are we doing to make this better? Am I muted? Oh, there it is. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we want to mute Joe. We were trying to hit Joe's mute button. <laughs> I'm going to go back and I'll even take a little bit of, of pressure off the tournament director. And I'm going to put it, I'm still going to put it back on anglers, right? Because Denny Fox can tell me I can drive through, where, where do you, Wyauga? How do you say that? Wyauga? 
Why a Uyghur? Why a Uyghur? He can tell me that I can drive through Wyawiga at 35 so miles an hour, easy. even though it's a 30 mile an hour zone and I won't get a ticket because the cop won't write you for that. Well, if I get a ticket, if I do get stopped, it's not on him. Again, that comes back to the individual for making that decision. And I just hope we get better as individuals in making those decisions. I think that's ultimately how we get better. Um, and we try to, you know, right the ship and that I, you're saying it right. It doesn't stop with walleye fishing. Unfortunately, that just got severely highlighted uh, about a year ago. And, you know, there's just no way around that. And who would have ever thought that that incident would go that far? Um, I don't know if every state is the same, but I think it's pretty clear in a lot of law that if you get caught cheating, whether it's in poker, whatever, um, and you have accepted the money, I mean, it, I believe it reverts back to a felony for that amount of dollars that you won. Um, I've never seen it enforced. Um, but I think if you look deep enough in many, many states, that's the actual case. Uh, so I don't know. I just hope it comes back to individuals. I don't ever want to be known. I guess when I decide to walk away, which that day gets closer and closer every year, I'm certainly not getting any younger. Um, I just hope there's no black clouds out there in regards to, you know, how I went about my business day to day. So do you think that part of the problem is, is a lot of fishermen are whiny little bitches and that causes a lot of problems, kind of like crying wolf, as they say, is that why we aren't policing ourselves better? Or do you guys believe that anglers are policing themselves better? What do you think, Joe? That's, that's interesting because, like, you know, what Ross and I kind of hit on earlier was all, all everybody that's ever fished a tournament has intentionally or unintentionally done something that's, um, you know, that could be considered a, a, a violation. And so, is are people quieter on that front then just because they? I don't know, just uh, don't feel like they are in the right to point fingers at that point. And so everybody just keeps saying, I hope everybody just tries playing the game as straight and narrow as they possibly can. Is that what you're, is that what you're getting at Ross? Well, I, I think there's a lot of anglers, whether it's cause he's his buddy or he's going to hold, you know, I'm going to keep this one in my pocket or whatever it is that, are, I'm asking you guys, you guys are currently fishing more, you know, derbies all over the place than I am. And Denny sees this stuff. Are the anglers policing themselves? Uh, and again, I'm not talking about you. I think sometimes like with Joe, you're a very analytical guy and that's, you know, good for fishing stuff, but I, I'm not trying to split hairs. Like I said, five miles an hour over on the speed limit. Yeah, it's a violation, but that and murder is two different things. 
yep. so with the anglers policing themselves just like how many times have you fished an event and somebody came up to me it's like yeah i saw so and so in the creek we weren't allowed to go in but it isn't you know a protest isn't filed or nothing happens or or are they not doing it because nothing has happened for so long you know and, and, and where i'm going with that is is right now you you guys know the, the rumor mill and fishing is like tmz right and you know everyone's there's a big rumor about people boycotting the first NWT next year, as an example. I'm sure you've heard that. I, I, actually, I haven't. Yeah, yeah, I haven't heard that. Really? Are, no. you, are you guys full of shit, or are you really that no, behind, it, the, it, behind the time? Not. I still don't know. It, what's amazing is, like, the last couple months, I, I'm pretty sure all of our phones have been ringing a lot with interested people asking for details on stuff. And all I can – and I – and in an effort to not try to be the – you know, a guy, I don't know, I don't know all the details about stuff and that's almost a good thing, but our phones sure have been busy and that's, uh, but well, I, and I'm not trying to make this into a gossipy thing either. That's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's just know, it. I don't want, I don't, yeah. That but at the same point, it's at the same point, we're not saying he said, she said, we've been very, very nice with not saying names on people that like we wouldn't run them through the mud. We'd run them through the meat grinder. Right. And they and they should have been run through the freaking meat grinder. And maybe if they did, we wouldn't be here. Um, but there's a difference between. I mean, you know, guys. I know you know a couple of them because I know you talk to them quite a bit. There are guys that have gone to sponsors of the event and said, "Hey, this guy better be gone or else." Type of thing, right? And again, you say that's maybe you like that or you don't like that because you like the person or you don't like the person. I always say, like you said, that's in the Lake Erie Wally Trail thing. The same thing. You know, if you look at the comments that we had on that, it was a billion of them but the, basically the thing was was you know throw them out be done this and that and it's like well you say that until it's your neighbor or somebody or your son you know that's maybe you know again those guys in the lake Erie walleye trail you had to assume and give them due process i just think it's funny to me the, the funniest thing on all walleye fishing and again people go oh, you don't fish tournaments and you really don't care i really care and i think everybody on this little square here should because it's when you make your, your business fishing, rather it's Brett selling boats, Joe doing what you do in the industry or myself, it makes the industry as a whole look like shit. Right. And it's, it's that black eye, right? Like that, that take of fishermen, Hey, and rather it's walleyes or whatever it may be. It is. And the old adage, there's no such thing as bad press. Uh, you know, that just doesn't come into play on these scenarios. Um, it is every time it happens, it's a black eye. And it's not good for the sport overall. And, uh, you know, I just, it hurts my heart, honestly, to, to see this stuff happening. I mean, do you think, I mean, I, I, I firmly believe it was the TikTok world video, whatever we want to call it. But isn't, isn't the irony there that the Lake Erie Walleye Trail did more for tournaments and bringing notoriety and and honestly bigger for enforcement i mean since when has another fisherman been thrown in jail and a, and a hundred thousand dollar boat confiscated permanently let me know like in in a lake erie walleye trail club event like i i feel like they were forced into it but that they taught maybe it was because of the publicity but they taught major 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 organizations let's say the bass stuff kind of how it's going down and i don't know that that due justice was even served there, honestly, um, in the, in the grand scheme of things, but you can't go backwards. 
right? Like it's hard to go backwards and and push things through. Um, yeah, those guys, you know, probably won't be seen. I would imagine. I don't know. I've never fished a Lake Erie walleye trail event. I know. I know people that do. Um, I think you know they did their part on all of that and. I, I, yeah, it's a tough one. Denny, how, how was your phone situation after the Lake Erie Waller Trail thing went down? Oh, just like Did you have Brad to buy said. some extra minutes? <laughs> you know, it's, it's brought a bad light on the sport. And I'll tell you, uh, from a few of my anglers, what they've heard too is, Oh, you're going to go fish a tournament? Here, do you need some lead weights to take with you? You, you fish against all them guys that are cheating? Is that what you do? Oh, we don't know much about the sport, but we know that they stuck lead in the fish. It, you know, it's it's gotten out of hand, and I don't – there's my guys. Some of my guys are kind of offended with it, the fact that people even ask them if they're putting lead in their fish. And to be clear, you know that what the is, problem is, is they're still doing it 30 years later or more. That is not the Lake Erie walleye trail. That goes back to the individuals again. Like I just keep referring to. It, it does. It does. And I'm sorry for bringing the, it wasn't them. It's. Yeah. No, I, I, everybody knows that, that like that wasn't invented on the Lake Erie walleye trail either. I mean, they just had yeah. during even that same time period. Was it a, it was a panfish or there was some other event. That's been going on longer than most of us have been here. Yes, it has. Oh, like, like Joe alluded to a little bit earlier, I remember back in the day, and I watched it happen. You'd take full ice cubes and push them right down the mouth until their gullet was full. There was nothing they could really say about it because it's all water inside the fish. But you could get them to retain extra ounces when you knew it was going to be a tight weight. Did I ever do it? Heck no. My integrity is way more than that. But there's certain people that have to win at all costs because, you know, you see some of that on uh, the WAC gear, W-A-A-C, win at all costs. The new thing that's coming on, and it's coming on in golf, it's coming on in tennis, and it's coming on in other sports you guys don't know about, and win at all costs. Huh. When I was 17, I, I had, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Joe. We love when you talk. I was just gonna tell. I, I when I was when I was seventeen, I was fishing my first um, little Lake Michigan trout and salmon derby. I caught a lake trout that was so fat they thought I was shoving stuff in its stomach. So right in front of everybody, after they waited, guy got out his knife and just just slit his gut open just because he thought he had me on something. I, no, I just caught a real big fatty. <laughs> I would have liked to have seen your eyeballs when that happened. I've yeah, seen it like, before. Yeah, it was it was pretty amazing. But uh, anyway, and that that was back. I knew innocent Joe. You know, Joe is not as innocent as he used to be. But that was back in wide eye innocent Joe day. Like ah, <laughs> like <laughs> which by which by the way, Denny, I just want to let you know, me and Joe are almost the same age. So if I look that I knew much you younger, correct you, Denny. Oh, I knew it. I, I mean, that's just saying, you know. And when I shave this, it gets straight Opie mode. Straight Opie. Brett, you know it. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I've heard <laughs> I've heard many nicknames referenced over the years, especially by our good friend Bob, that unfortunately is no longer with us. Um, but oh, oh, big head, big head. Um, I, I he, he started this, embracing uh, that. I actually had an interesting conversation this weekend, and this just goes to show how widespread this stuff can get. Lake Sakakawea. I just spent roughly a week out there, and there is apparently a law that you cannot embrace the shoreline because it's a certain amount of feet from the shore is state core of engineer owned. And you said you can't it, embrace it. Is that what you, you can't? Said? You can't like go there. You can't be on it. You can't take a four wheeler down there. You you're not supposed to be on it from X amount of elevation. And that water fluctuates a lot, as we all know. And they were talking about when the water drops down, they would find dog kennels, cages of sorts on the shorelines. And there's no reason for it to be there because you're not so So I'm gonna stop you for one second. Yep. Stop you for one second. So for people that are listening to this that don't know, Sakakawea is a reservoir yep. in North Dakota that is very, very, very rural. Correct. It is like okay, just the for most context. So uninhibited shoreline you're probably ever gonna some of you are ever gonna see is that whole Missouri River system. So the point of the conversation was why are why is there dog kennels and cages all of a sudden out on the shoreline when the water drops? And you just lead you to believe that, you know, there was at some point at least caged fish to, you know, do wrong things in probably, you know, one of the local tournaments out there. Um, but, you know, that just all feeds into how widespread this is not, you know, localized to one or any. It's, it's across the board and it's just we got to be better as human beings. You know, traveling through and doing the stuff like we have, I can remember fishing with Aaron Martins, the late Aaron Martins, and him pointing out a dock. And he said it was out in California. He's like, hey, this thing goes up and down. There was a barrel mounted that went up and down with the uh, the water flow. And this guy had it weighted just right. And he'd pitch in there and he had these fish. And you know, as they say, catching fish in a barrel. I mean, like this thing was way, it was crazy. And it's like, you know, he knew about it. And they had caught the guy, not caught the guy, a lot of pussyfooting around. And that's why I think the biggest thing of this is that people think that it's just a walleye thing, like we said. And I'm not here just to defend walleye fishermen, but no. it's just that this is a rampant thing. So whether it's California, um, when we did our little podcast that kind of went all over the place, they were talking about that guy who fished. Um, I can't remember. It was might have been FLW, but do you remember the guy that had the uh, he was using a one ounce jig in like two feet of water? A bunch of people shared that story. And. He technically fought the rules because he took a Tupperware thing and cut a little holes like a star shaped on it. And so he's in a couple feet of water and he had this thing tied to a dock and he was pitching a one ounce jigging. Well, he had these bass in that tub and they'd hit anything because they'd been in there for four or five days. And he finally got caught by a co-angler because he's like, why is this guy pitching a one ounce jig in two, you know, two feet of water? And the guy went back afterwards and you know told the tournament director, hey, right on this dock, something's going on. And sure enough, there was like a you know, storage tub with a very small hole cut it. And he just would get that jig in there and go down and then pull them out. And the little plastic things would go up and down. And 
it's crazy. I mean, it's unfortunate because I think a lot of guys maybe got some really good ideas on how to cheat. That's the downside of this, uh, the cheating thing. Matter of fact, when we were doing several different things with it, the guy said, would you please not say this, this, and this? And we probably just violated a few of those, but because they didn't want to give people ideas because they know it's not going to end. I, I mean, was, I was people we did. Denny, I was hoping with, you know, Denny, you've been, you've seen probably walleye tournaments since they began and you've probably seen some shenanigans. I was hoping to hear some juicy stories from you about, about well, it's the not done yet. We want to hear something good. <laughs> I don't really know anything good. You, you know, here's what I'm I know. Full of shit. I am not. <laughs> Come I'll on. tell you a lie and make you believe it though. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, that ice cube one when he told me last week, I was like, God, they're yeah. I mean, in 130 some events, have you had have you seen anybody punch anybody in the face back in the day? Hey, I ducked a punch one time. I got I almost got hit back in my fishing days. Of course, maybe I was a little younger and a little mouthier, but uh, <laughs> no, I've never seen it because I don't want to see it. They need to go off in the corner of the parking lot away from people. If I'm there, there's too many people around me. You know, over the years, you've heard about a lot of stuff. The thing is, you don't see a lot of it. You know, and that makes you believe the dog kennel thing on Skaka, we have heard about it, but I've yet to see a picture. So I haven't seen a picture of a dog kennel. I've heard about them on Lake Winnebago and the Otter Street or the Merck National event, you know, because there's always somebody in that that's shady or something. Yet nobody ever has any proof of any of them. So I wash my hands of a lot of them um, old wives' tales that you've heard over the years. Yeah, maybe that's why the Lake Erie Walleye Trail was so such a big deal because, you know, seeing the lead weights quite literally live on video roll out into the parking lot. Well, that was something. There's no doubt about it, and it caught everybody off guard when it happened. For sure, they did it right in front of everybody. There was no hiding it. It didn't disappear because everybody had their phone up in the air and was recording it. So, uh, that, was, that, that probably would have got ugly if if they didn't handle that right and say, you know, nobody's touching anybody because yeah, we that looked like a mob scene. Oh, it was Bob rules for sure. We had Jason on the podcast and he, you know, he's a police officer by trade and he had another guy that was fishing the event that, you know, he said on our podcast, which is good. I'm sure producer dude will link it up there. He said, Hey, um, this cop walked up and he said, Hey, do you realize this is now a crime scene? And Jason, the tournament director said, you want to take over? Because he was just so like, what the hell is going on, right? Even though he's a trained guy because, you know, he was, he's invested in it, right? And the other guy had a, probably a clearer mind, I'm guessing. Um, but yeah, he, both of those guys kept those guys from getting their ass whooped. There ain't no doubt. You imagine if Big Head was there? <laughs> <laughs> I remember Big Head had an event that was about ready to knock some people out. <laughs> and uh, over, over some scales not working. Uh, I, remember trying to calm him down like eight hours later he was still boiling mad but no i i don't want to face that bull in a caged area no way that guy had gloves we called him big head because he couldn't even fit in a hat but he had hands that looked like meat cleavers i don't think he could wear gloves if he had to never saw him in gloves fished with him in december ice fished with him nah, nah. <laughs> he was a big man so denny would you would you like to leave us with anything on behalf of as a tournament director guy of maybe what us anglers, maybe what Joe Okada should be doing better? I don't know. 
Well, let me just say that we, we've had a lot of discussion about cheating here today. And in, in reality, I believe that 99% of all you anglers out there are doing things the right way. Don't get all sideways. Don't think that you got to cheat to win because you don't. I believe most winners are doing things the right way and the cheaters are just trying to catch up to you. Um, as far as Joe Okada doing things better, I'm waiting for him to get good again. <laughs> Man, it took a little while for you to warm up, Denny, but once you're hot, that engine is purring. <laughs> I got to be careful what I say. I can get stomped. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. Let her rip, <laughs> Joe's, Joe isn't going to stomp even a carpenter ant. Who are you kidding? <laughs> no, I, you know, I, I think I think your numbers are way high on, on the percentage of guys that are doing it right. And, you know, unfortunately, in, in the last little bit, um, you know, there's enough evidence out there to say that some of the guys that have been doing well aren't necessarily completely above board. But you're right. It's fishermen as a whole are pretty good group, right? Like 99% of my friends are fishermen. Like that's, that's who I, what I do, who I hang around with. Um, you know, we're all still out there just having fun. I don't care if you fish at the top end in the NWT or the next best, which is a weekend walleye series. Everybody got their start. You know, that half the guys on the NWT, I can list the tournaments they fished with us already, not since they've been NWT pros, but since they decided to fish tournaments and went to the NWT, we're a great stair step along the way and we're teaching integrity and we're staying friends. And I just hope they're taking it with them as they continue to move up the ladder in the great world. Cause I gotta be honest with you and I don't swear all that much, but I love this shit, Ross. I wouldn't run these tournaments if I didn't. I absolutely love this game and I want it to oh, be the have to. game we can have. Anybody that does all of our jobs, if we were to be at that level in a different profession uh, or genre, we'd be making way more money. Like you're, you're here because you like what we do, right? That's right. And, you, you know, I say I do it for the anglers I, and I do it for the I, – I, it, I, it's not about money to us. It's about everybody having fun. It's about catching fish and just – I just love the whole thing from start to finish. So we're waiting for Joe to get better. What are we waiting on with Brett? Like, what's his situation? Like, what's the professional tournament director's, like, take on this? The other wow. side of the stage. See, here's the professional tournament he's a little. He's a little guy, together. too. You got this. Never pick out one guy. Okay? Just leave them all alone. Otherwise, you could tell some guys you should go here and catch your fish because, you, you know, don't worry about tomorrow. Or You don't want to tell Brett anything. I've tried. <laughs> you know, I was going to say it earlier, but when you said you ducked a punch, I was going to say, yeah, you like me, but we don't have to duck very far. <laughs> well, we are a little vertically challenged, I believe. Yes. But you know, all good walleye fishermen are, Brett, they're short. All good walleye fishermen are short. Anybody well, taller than me is a freak of nature. I'm not touching it. <laughs> how, how, how tall are you, Denny? Uh, just about five seven or something. You don't want none here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys uh, being uh, forthcoming and, and come back on the Big Water Podcast, and especially you, Denny, because uh, you know a person in your situation, you obviously have to be careful what you say, and you've been pretty open with us on stuff. And 
we appreciate your time, and we know that you're going to watch one of those cheesehead games here. Yeah, oh. I imagine we're up 14 to nothing by now, but I'll still yep. watch the rest of the game. You're down seven you're to playing three. the Lions. Yeah, it's going to be down, a tough game. You're down 7-3. Oh, see, I didn't turn the TV on here. I thought I'd wait until the end of it. <laughs> no wonder that has been checked out. He's watching the football <laughs> game the whole damn time. <laughs> You know, it, this is a bad game for me anyways because the Lions are finally starting to be in. you got to remember, I grew up in Saginaw, Michigan, so my little toe still bleeds blue because everybody wanted to be a Lion growing up. And, you know, you're still a Lions fan because we've made – you know, at least we know our stats. Since 1982, we've been to exactly one playoff and won one game. Okay? We don't have to come up with all these wild, I've won this many – games and we've had this many quarterbacks dude we won one game we got it (laughs) but when the lions play the packers then you know i cheer both ways brett do you have anything else you want to tell us since you're obviously just watching the damn football game no (laughs) i'm not touching the football thing it's it's, trust me i grew up in minnesota i now live in wisconsin you can't win uh, I refuse to cross that that border and cheer for green and gold, and and it's actually this is a really fun area to watch football in because you do have a good mix of, of both fans and and but I I am I am smart enough to know that you cannot win these arguments. So you live so well, in all seriousness. I appreciate you guys coming on, giving us your time. You bet, buddy. <laughs>